0: Since the 1970s, the United States has had a succession of national advisory bodies to provide Congress or the President with expert advice on topics related to bioethics. As science and technology continue to develop with increasing speed and the field of bioethics expands, many are wondering, what does the future hold for national bioethics advisory bodies? Welcome to Ethically Sound, a podcast of the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. I'm Hilary waukay Viers. Today, we're talking with Daniel Sulmezi, who holds the Kilbride Clinton Chair in Medicine and Ethics at the University of Chicago and is a member of the Bioethics Commission. Before we talk with Dr. Sulmezi, we'll hear from Alexander Capron, who chaired the Biomedical Ethics Advisory Committee from 1987 to 1990 and served on President Clinton's National Bioethics Advisory Commission from 1996 to 2001. Before his appointment to these commissions, Alex served as the executive director of the President's Commission for the Study of Ethical Problems in Medicine and Biomedical and Behavioral Research, called the President's Commission, which advised the president from 1979 to 1983.
1: One of the things about the President's Commission was that having been established by an act of Congress, we had our own direct appropriation. We were a line item, a very small line item, in the federal budget. So that that meant that I had to go up to Congress to testify before the appropriations subcommittee that handled our area of government. It turned out that the subcommittee was chaired by William Natcher, a long-serving member of Congress from Kentucky who was rather legendary for his attention to detail. And so I was warned that I needed to be highly prepared for that hearing. And I went into the hearing room uh, with a little trepidation. uh, And I found that Representative Natcher was indeed very well informed about our budget. I had been concerned he might find our work somewhat esoteric, but he didn't seem to be worried about it being a waste of money, as long as the money was spent in an appropriate way. So he asked me about the commission, uh, about its agenda, and how we were going about our work, and that led him to ask me about our staff. I informed him that in addition to the usual support staff, such as secretaries, a bookkeeper, a press officer, some research assistants, we had a number of professionals, including a couple of lawyers, a physician, an economist, two sociologists, and a philosopher. A philosopher? Yes, sir, we have a staff philosopher. You've hired a philosopher? He asked again, apparently incredulous at such a misguided action. Well, Mr. Chairman, I said, respectfully, but really rather worried that our whole operation was now thrown into doubt. He's an ethicist, you see. Oh, said Mr. Natcher, an ethicist. Well, that's all right. An ethicist, that's all right. So it became clear to me there that while I wouldn't have thought of using the word ethicist in the halls of Congress, that was a person who was appropriate for a bioethics commission, unlike a philosopher, who I think, in Mr. Natcher's view, was someone who spent his day just sitting, thinking grand thoughts, and not doing much that's relevant.
0: That was Alexander Capron from the University of Southern California. While all the bioethics advisory bodies we've had in the United States have shared similar goals, they've differed in their composition, methods, and areas of focus. As we heard, the commission that Alex Capron served on was organized and operated very differently compared with the bioethics commission appointed by President Obama. These differences in structure and function matter because they can influence outcomes. Toward the end of its tenure, the Bioethics Commission held a series of public meetings to reflect on the past, present, and future impacts of national bioethics advisory bodies, both in the U.S. and abroad. A great deal has changed since the first bioethics advisory body was authorized in the 1970s. Science and technology continue to develop with increasing speed, The field of bioethics, in its infancy in the 1970s, has since expanded, and its resources are now readily available across sectors. And as the world becomes increasingly connected, bioethical issues are playing out across borders, whether that's tackling disease outbreaks overseas or developing cures for disease such as cancer and Alzheimer's that affect people across the globe. By looking back at what worked and why, The Bioethics Commission's meetings helped imagine the best role for national bioethics advisory bodies in shaping policies and practices that ensure ethically responsible development and use of science and technology in the future. You can watch the discussions online at bioethics.gov. Here to talk with us today about the future of national bioethics advisory bodies is Dr. Daniel Sulmezi. Dr. Sulmezi holds the Kilbride Clinton Chair in Medicine and Ethics at the University of Chicago, and he's a member of the Bioethics Commission. Welcome, Dr. Sulmezi. Thanks for being here.
2: Glad to be with you, Hillary.
0: As the Bioethics Commission nears the end of its tenure, you've spent several months looking back on the contributions of commissions that came before. Why is the past still applicable?
2: First, I think the
0: past is applicable because
2: many of the most basic Um, ethical questions are perennial. Um, We may um, encounter new problems, but the most fundamental questions um, about uh, human um, finitude, um, the meaning of human progress, uh, the role of balancing um, relief of, of suffering versus other, other ethical principles, questions of cost and justice are always with us, um, and we're not the first commission to look at those questions. The, the particular topics um, to which we uh, apply um, those sorts of principles may change but the uh, but the perennial questions um, are with us uh, and we have a common goal um, in applying those principles to an analyzing um, particular uh, problems that we confront in each uh, era
0: what legacy does the bioethics Commission leave behind um,
2: I think um, personally that one of the key contributions that this Commission has made was in our very first project. We um, have been um, concerned with um, the ethical analysis of emerging biotechnologies um, in a way that previous commissions really probably haven't um, focused on as much as we have. And um, the delineation of the five principles that we put forth um, for um, analyzing the ethical impact of new um, biotechnologies um, I think is a great uh, contribution. Uh, Those are um, the principle of public beneficence, um, the principle of responsible stewardship, um, the principle of respect for intellectual freedom but tempered by responsibility, um, the uh, principle of democratic deliberation, uh, and the principle of justice. Um, And I think those are going to last because I think that Uh, questions about biotechnology will continue um, uh,
0: to emerge. Dr. Samezi, as we look forward, what do you think are the most pressing ethical issues facing the United States? One
2: um, will be, I think, advancing biotechnologies in Uh, in general. uh, The CRISPR technique for gene editing is certainly one that's already on the forefront and will continue to um, occupy us for, uh, for some time. But there are probably other unanticipated Um, uh, technologies um, that that one really can't um, even predict at this moment. I'm an internist. Um, I do um, mostly care at the end of life, and most of my um, uh, ethical uh, questions that, that I address in my own work still continue to revolve around um, a, a care at the end of life. Um, I can tell you from my own clinical experience that 90% of the ethics consults that we do at a hospital like the University of Chicago still um, concern uh, questions about foregoing life-sustaining treatment, how far to go in keeping someone um, uh, alive, um, and I think those questions will continue to be with us uh, even more forcefully as biotechnology uh, c- continues to advance. Um, The increased use of uh, genetics in uh, medicine, um, particularly under the rubric of what's called personalized medicine, I think is going to raise questions um, about the privacy of genetic information. We'll continue to raise questions about um, how far we should go um, in terms of personalizing and individualizing uh, uh, treatment particularly its cost limits. I think we uh, see with Um, uh, issues like um, uh, anthrax vaccines that that our commission um, uh, dealt with, um, or the Ebola virus that our commission dealt with, and now the Zika virus, um, that emerging um, infectious diseases and other public health questions uh, will continue to raise um, ethical issues for us. I think it is also important to recognize that Um, Bioethics um, is now global because biomedicine is now global, Um, and this commission I think in particular has been um, very cognizant of that and invited discussions with um, scientists, and uh, physicians, and bioethics commissions from other countries. And I think that's been um, a valuable contribution that, that, that we've made to being a part of an international uh, community of um, bioethics, uh, uh, bioethics commissions.
0: What advice would you give someone who was asked to serve on a national ethics advisory board?
2: Uh, Well, I think I'd keep it pretty simple. I'd say be prepared to work hard, Um, be open-minded, willing to listen to fellow commissioners and um, other members of the public uh, who bring different viewpoints. Um, Recognize that you've got a great platform. The commission is a really national and internationally prominent bully pulpit. Um, but also soberly recognize that your role is advisory and not everything uh, that you say is actually going to be um, uh, taken up and enacted immediately, although I think it will have lasting input.
0: Dr. Salmazi, it was a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Hillary. Uh, a delight, as always, to be with you. You've been listening to Ethically Sound a podcast of the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. Thanks for joining us. You can check out our full series online at bioethics.gov.